Hello, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of Coffee or Beer, brought to you on behalf of Hold Tight TV, the only show that keeps asking people in the music industry how they feel about the music industry, why they do the music industry, why music industry stuff. Uh, today's an exciting day. No, lots of lots of cool things are happening today. Um, I'm very excited to have a guest on the show. Um, me and him go ways back. Uh, good, good buddy of mine, and uh, he's joining me on my birthday. So he's the. It's your fucking birthday. Yeah, dude, you should have fucking said. Uh, Correct. Got birthday bobs on people. Uh, so let's just jump in. My guest today is is Jack Longman. Hello, mate. How are you? Happy birthday, boy. Are you all right? I can't believe you didn't tell me, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm good, man. I'm all right. Thank you for taking time out of your day to join me on the show today. That's all right. I mean. I was at home, <laughs> just like everyone else at the minute. So. Perfect. What, um, what's your drink of choice, man, on, on today's coffee or beer episode? I have actually got coffee oh. um, in my favourite mug. That's a great mug. Greatest hero of all time. <laughs> and uh, I wish it was like a fancy coffee, but um, you know like the uh, the coffee bit in Sainsbury's and they they have like... I usually buy like, like I do actually usually put quite a lot of effort into coffee, but then like when I when that stuff runs out and I go into Sainsbury's and I look at like whatever like slightly nice one is on offer. So um, it's this Peru, Ooh. I think it's from Peru. Yeah, full bodied with dark chocolate overtones. And are you pleased with your purchase? Uh, yeah, it tastes like coffee and it wakes me up and makes me need a poo. So that's pretty much what coffee needs to do, right? So 100%, yeah. Yeah, that's all I need from my coffee. I'm on the old Corona. Keep, the, keeping the it boy. real, keeping it real with uh, Corona and the lime. Corona, please, mate. Hold the virus. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. I'm going to nick that one. Uh, cheers, buddy. Good cheers. 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 Kink. Mmm. It's a, it's, a, it's a good day today. Um, lots of great things happening. But a very busy month work-wise, which I'm awfully pleased to, to say. And cool. everyone on the team, very grateful to be busy. Um, and we're going to get on to, to your job because I know you're busy and crushing it right now yourself. Um, <laughs> but uh, just to do an intro here, uh, everybody, um, ladies and gentlemen, Jack used to play guitar in a band called Giants um, for many a moon. And then uh, after, after that, um, you did some freelancing work for, or was it full time work for Basic Records? Yeah, I, I, well, I mean, I was I was part of the crew. Yeah, we were, we yeah. were um, the three of us were. It was like a unit, <laughs> the B Brigade. We called ourselves. Perfect, uh, the B Brigade, and um, and then more kind of more recently, um, you've started producing. So now you're a producer as well. Yeah, well, I mean, when I was in Giants, um, so. I, well, I suppose we need to go further back than that. But like, so when I left school, I was like, I didn't really, the same as everyone else. Well, maybe not everyone else, but I didn't really know what I was going to do. So I took media and photography and video stuff at college, um, which was a hilarious waste of time. Spent two years wanking, basically. Um, after that, got a job in a photography studio because I've always loved photography um, and just realized it just wasn't what I wanted to do. Mm. Uh, and around about the same time we were starting our band and um, we had been we had all been in a band before that and we kind of done everything wrong and found out oh, okay we shouldn't do that and so we decided to start Giants 
with everything kind of with some rights and wrongs already laid out. So we knew we were going to take it a bit more seriously. And um, literally at the same time, a studio down the road from me called Sound Lab Studios. Which is, yeah, it's obviously still running today. That was just opening the door. And I like kind of, you know, when people say that you've got your foot in the door, like I literally just like put my torso in the door and James just had like no... He was like, well, I've pretty much got to hire you, haven't I? Because you won't fuck off. Um, so, yeah, and that, that was like, so that was a recording studio and I was kind of being introduced to like recording studios, how recording studios work, what a mic is and stuff like that. But I was just kind of like, yeah, I'll just work the night shifts or however long you want me to, however much you want me to, as long as I can fuck off on tour for a month or whatever like that. And that was basically the deal until I started taking, until we started writing another, basically we had an EP, we did six songs on EP and we played those six songs for like two years. And we like, we just like, if, if someone was coming to one of our shows, they knew that we were going to play those six songs in that, in that order. And we, we took forever before we like started to write new music. And I feel like when it's, when we started to do that is when I started to take more of an interest in like, making music in studios and um so yeah like what when what, i started working for barley when that happened so how old were you to switch so the first band you were what, around college age what like 14 15 16 16 to 18 16 to 18 um, when giants started i was i was 19 i think 2009 um and then yeah i got i that was about the time i started working at sound lab and then I kind of started like a uh, Bali was um Bali was quite involved with Giants as well, which not many people know. And um, but yeah, he was like our he was our manager for quite some time and and stuff like that. And he was helping us out with uh, a lot of stuff. And um he kind of offered me the position at uh, basic because he kind of knew that I would be able to kind of handle it from running a band. I was like I was like the band guy in Giants. I, I was in charge of like the branding and everything like that. So I was kind of wearing two hats. Like I was working at the studio and then working in Camden at Basic for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and all whilst that was happening, <laughs> so I went from like one job and being in a full-time band to two jobs being in a full-time band. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, I got offered a scholarship with Dr. Martins to study music production. Um, so I decided oh. to do that. So I was literally going in like four directions all at once. Um, I had no idea it was a scholarship. Congratulations. That's yeah. Cheers. No, it was, it was mad. It was like one of them, like, it was like kind of one of the, you know, when you're just like, it's, it's like two in the morning and you're on your laptop. Right? Yeah. And I like entered the competition and just yeah. thought nothing of it. Like I entered it. And then two months later, I got an email in my inbox. Like as I got off the phone from Bali saying, yes, I'll do the job. I got an email in my inbox saying, you've been accepted to do this. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I guess I'm doing four things four all at things once. Now. So yeah. what, it was like night shifts at Sound Lab, um, like two day days shifts. scholarships and day shifts, like three days a week at Camden, two days a week at scholarship or something. Yeah. And then that was like, it was, it was that, my, my life was that crazy until about eight months passed and then, um, the band's album was coming out and the tour schedule was set out and I, I, I had to step away from being at Soundlab because um, I couldn't do it remotely. There was no way. I liked, and um, yeah, I felt like it was time to move on um, and do it, do my own thing. 
And uh, yeah, I could do the the basic work remotely. Bali had no problem with me being on tour. So I feel like I was like, you know, it's like a, it's quite a common thing, like remote working. But yeah. I literally was in a van with my phone, like surfing personal hotspots and like VPN, like, and, and like running a Shopify store whilst going down the autobahn in Germany. But I, I that was, yeah, it was mad. But I'm so grateful that he, he had the faith in me to do it because... Otherwise, I would have um, gone from like two jobs to no job. <laughs> yeah, so that was my crazy kind of thing for that. And then, like basic stuff, kind of come to come to an end. And I just saw it as a logical thing to just take a plunge and go it on my own as a producer and a mixer. So that's what I've been doing ever since. How many? How long now? Because you started the producing what, like two years ago? I started producing whilst I was. Do it whilst I was at basic, but it was like oh, cool. so it was like once every two months I'd have a job or whatever. And then November 2017, I'm pretty sure is when I had to, I was just like, right, I'm gonna do this. Um I got my last paycheck from basic and was like, oh, okay, I guess that's that. And then, <laughs> and then I just had to kind of go for it. And yeah, that's so since then I've been doing it. And um, yeah. That's what I've done ever since, basically. It's a rich background, man. Like, there's a lot of experiences <laughs> in there, um, and it's all, it's all, it's all excellent stuff. And there's lots to talk about. Um, but one of the things, just real quick as well, we've we've had um, uh, Bali on the show. Mm. Nathan Barley Phillips was like the third guest on Coffee or Beer, and he's a lovely guy. And anyone, the that... nicest guy in the music industry. Yeah, definitely, definitely one of for sure. And he, um, so if anyone. Um, wants to go back and watch that episode highly recommended because he's now the head of believe digital yeah um, european branch and as well as um still still doing basic work and, and other things he's just a super talented man who's got he's, oh, man. He, he's like one of my biggest inspirations yeah. in everything but like i knew that he like because he, he's just so productive and he's always thinking of things to do and it was like when I, he was i saw that he became the head of believe digital so i was like that makes sense. I knew he'd go for that and blah, blah. And then he was like, and then, then here's a Misery Signals album. And I was like, whoa! <laughs> Still like hella productive in that kind of sector is mad. Yeah. Um, it's great to have someone like that, I think, to turn to for advice and certainly maybe business advice as well. I've got to tell you a story, man. So there was literally a point where like, I don't know if it's like this in any other band, but I kind of managed our band for so many years. And like Barley was the first person that come along but we felt like, okay, yeah, he knows what he's talking about. We trust him. He's going to be our guy. Mm-hmm. And then he just became like my agony aunt. I'd bring him up like, like that. And I, literally every bit of advice run through him. And like he, he really did help us out. And then <laughs> in one of our first label meetings, like we were sitting like where we was trying to get the album signed and stuff like that. Um, the, the label we were talking to was like, so I don't really understand the connection here. Like, Bali tech and prog metal and uh, skate punk hardcore band like how does that fit in and it went quiet and Bali just went basically I'm Jack's dad <laughs> <laughs> so me and Bali had this running joke that he's my dad and yeah it was funny excellent wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't make for a bad dad um, at all um, oh, uh, right what was I going to say yeah the point you made about um, wearing all the hats in Giants I want to come on to this a little bit here um because you guys did some great things while you were a band, must be Thank said. Um, a terrific hardcore band, and you did like some international touring as well. Um, and that's not cheap to do, and all and all the rest of it. Um, but you were saying that you were basically wearing all the hats in the band, so you were managing it effectively. Or 
most of the time, and you were the go-to guy in the band, right? I mean, we all had we all had various duties at the start. Right. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, it was like I kind of I feel like I, I had the drive and the kind of I, I, I knew what I what I wanted us to do, uh, and I was always kind of the one that was thinking ahead mm. and trying to kind of plan. And like I, I wrote like the song. I, well, I didn't write the songs. We all wrote the songs. But like I would like think of a song and bring it to the band mm. until like the later stages before we broke up. <laughs> but like, um, yeah, like so it was. Like, I feel like I, I kind of always had like the the vision going forward, and like I, I knew how I wanted things to be done, and and like. I'm yeah, I'm self-aware enough to know that I'm a bit of a control freak in that way. Not like, no, you can't do it, but like I just liked I liked doing it all. Like it was um yeah, it was a hobby on steroids, I guess. Um, so you you enjoyed it, but is that also because you know you the other guys in the band were easy to work with and they responded well to your direction and they didn't get you know, was it quite collaborative? Like yeah, that? but like I feel like it's more of a thing of we were all on the same page. So okay. When we when we started that band, um, we all knew what we were going to do, and we all kind of had like a we all kind of had a collective vision about it. So we were like, okay, so money from shows goes straight back into the band, so does merch, straight back into the band. We kind of all had different roles. Like our first drummer, he was like a big part of the creative, like imagery style of it. Like because me and him uh, and Ed were like the big skateboarders. Mm-hmm. And we knew we wanted the we wanted it to have that kind of Southern Californian like skate punk band look, and um, Pete was always more in charge of like logistics and and stuff like that. And he took a, like a bigger role in that towards the end of the band. And now he's a tour manager and a stage manager, so I guess that makes sense. Right. And it was like, yeah, we we kind of all knew what we wanted to do, and we never really deviated from it. And uh, it sounds strange because I'm an advocate now of if you know someone who does something really well, you should hire them to do it. If you need a position that needs filling. But back then we were just like, if no one's going to do things for us, we're going to do it for ourselves. And we kind of, I think we kind of noticed early on that like a lot of bands, especially back then were like, Oh, that band are getting big copy and paste. Let's try and do what they're doing. And it's like, (laughs) we kind of always thought, okay, well, if we just put our heads down and do our own thing for, for, for a while, people's heads will turn eventually. They might not straight away, mm-hmm. but yeah. So um, I completely forgot what your question was, but basically we um, we all kind of had our roles and and like we it just never really changed um, mm-hmm. until like the last kind of period where it had to get a bit more serious and I couldn't deal with having two jobs, uh, a course to do and a, and a band all to run. All the responsibilities of, of the band to run too. And yeah, when you're yeah. younger, you, you know, we all have, we have more time. Uh, we have more time on our hands to taste I think to taste all the different roles and that's where people obviously find out what they like kind of are good at or have a passion for and like other other things will present themselves but it's about trying everything in the beginning if you can yeah, and yeah. short and dosh so they can't obviously afford to hire them, and, hire them out and but. loads of it was trial and error as well like because mm. I used to be like <laughs> we had like a tin that all the money was in for fucking ever like and then like I, I did, I tried to like do the, the accounting for tours and it got to a point where Pete was like, hmm, I could do that better. So like he took that and that was him and like I handled merch for ages and then Ed took that off of me and it's, yeah, it just, it just kind of went that way naturally, I guess, because 
as you say, as you, you learn and grow, you learn that you're, you're better at handling different things. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is all kind of inspired by a conversation I was having literally um, Wednesday or something, literally the other day. Um, it's, it's the 9th of July now, everyone. I just suddenly realised when I said it's my birthday, when this airs, it won't be. But, uh, <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, because it was Wednesday, I had this call. Um, and the person I was speaking to was basically, was basically saying that they were having a very, very difficult time in their band. Right. Something that they'd, they'd also been in previous bands with some of the current members, which hadn't worked out. And they were giving it one last go with this one. And they'd really tried hard and they'd done what uh, you did and um, well, what, I, what we did at Chapter and Verse 2. We learned from the mistakes of the first band that failed and implemented them better into the, um, implemented the uh, better ideas into the second mm-hmm. one. Um, and, but he is having a very hard time because the band are a, uh, they, they're not, they don't, they're not an easy collaborative group to say the least from yeah. the sounds of it. And I just feel really like, I feel really, I feel like I've got all the advice for him under the sun. But it's very hard to tell someone that has a burning passion for something that they put blood, sweat and tears in for 10 years plus to step away from it. Yeah. Um, and, but there comes a time, I think, where, where you do have to kind of make a decision about what you want to do. Um, and you've had to make that decision. Um, yeah. Not uh, well, you, you're talking about like the, the band kind of stopping or yeah, yeah because because you were saying that you know you guys were you kept your heads down and did something that like you said heads would turn eventually which they started to do and and you were getting a lot of notoriety and it was working right the, the yeah. it was working it's strange because i feel like it kind of it it kind of almost happened right at the start for us mm. because when we started we were so different to every other local band that we had a buzz and like, we just made the wrong decisions way back then. And then we were kind of like the underdog, like the band that, you know, the, the people go to the shows and stuff, but it didn't really like kind of happen or anything like, not that it happened for us. I'm under no illusion for that. But then we kind of like what Bali kind of helped us do. And like what that whole album cycle was about was, we need to re not reinvent, but like just it was like a remodeling, and it was like a kind of second go at, mm-hmm. at what we what we did the first time round. So, but dude, it was it's all about collective vision and everyone being on the same page. And the reason we kind of stopped—I don't want to say broke up because we we didn't—we just kind of stopped. But it's like the reason we did that is because you know we it took us a long time to kind of get the album deal that we wanted and like we're, we're really really grateful for Holy Raw and we're grateful for the time that we t- it took because it led us to them and they did some great things for us but the waits the waiting period it can kill a band honestly that you finish an album at least back then because I feel like things change now but when you finish an album when we were doing it it was like ah cool yeah sounds fucking great and then you just kind of just you know, you're sending. Uh, it, there's this long period that can go on for months or a year. In our case, where you're sending it to people in the music industry, going, "Hey man, uh, how are you?" It's a hey man, like that's what we <laughs> Bali always say. I'm going to send this guy a hey man and see if he's interested. It's literally hey man. Uh, so we've got this album and here's one song. And if you like it, uh, let me know and I'll send you another one. But if you don't like it, that's cool as well. Yeah. And then you have to follow him up with another hey man. 
And it's just so like, I remember thinking, why can't we just send the fucking songs and just go, do you want to sign us? <laughs> like, it's like literally, it, you know, just cock out, just like, yeah, like, oh. yeah. yeah. But it's like, you have to play this game of like, are you interested? Are you not? And it was that, that kind of, it demotivated us a lot. So by the time you finished recording the album, between that and getting signed, how long was it? A year? It was about, it was about a year, yeah. Of um, all, a year of constant Heymans. Yeah. <laughs> no, we, we were still on tour and stuff, and we did our own tours. But, like, of course, the, like, the, the imagery of the band hadn't changed. The, the, the songs, none of the songs were out. And it was like, we were kind of a step ahead in our minds because we had this new material, this new image, everything. But because we hadn't found the right deal yet, or anything like, or the, the label yet, that it, none of it was. We could, we had to still play old songs, and, and do, you, do you know what I mean? And, and yeah, that can yeah. it can be terrible for a band's mindset. And you know, you just you sometimes you feel like, oh, I don't know, what we're waiting for, and you think about releasing it without PR and some of those terrible, terrible thoughts. And so, and uh, I think that took its toll on a few few members of the band and by the time things were going big like going well for us a few of the few of the members of the band were like i i'm, I'm over it like kind of you know like i want to do this and i want to do that and blah 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 mm-hmm. and I, I was like ah, we're going to japan Australia, like and we had to kind of just stop and um, and then there was like talks of oh should we replace him and should we get that and i was just like no nah, man like we've done that a couple of times already and I felt like where we were at that point, we, we had so much fun and we'd done so much. And I know what it's like being a fan of a band myself. Like when you like a band and they start fucking with the lineup mm-hmm. and then like singers change and stuff like that. Mm. There's, yeah. You can't tell me that some fans don't go, fuck you. And I didn't want to deal with that. And yeah. I, I just didn't want to flog a dead horse because that band meant everything to me. It was the thing I was most like, proud of uh, like up until that point in my life and I knew that I didn't want to flog a dead horse where some of us didn't care and stuff like that so I just said okay we'll just pump the brakes like we'll just stop we'll do whatever's left in commitment wise and we'll do like a a last hurrah for a bit and that was that so yeah and I felt like by the time that happened as well and our album was out things had changed in the music industry the way that like albums and music is consumed and that's like a big thing that I feel very strongly about now whenever I talk to the bands that I work with now it's it's very much about like okay so what are you doing after you've recorded the songs because I work with loads of great bands like I I love the the clients I have but loads of clients kind of get to the end and we we press like we stop and record and they go cool what now and I'm just like and but like I, I love working with that level of band because I relate a lot to it, that kind of grassroots level. That's obviously where I enjoyed like being in my own band. So that's why I, I love working with bands at that level. But it's like that, that is just it, it, I think it's so important to have your own head about where you're going, what the music is doing, how it's going to be received how you're getting it out there and stuff like that. So they're, they're big, they're big questions and they are important questions. I mean, what do you tell bands? And well, actually, no, what do you, where do you, how do you see it changing? Do, do you tell bands something different now? Do you think that actually the model is going to change and that you I don't think need the model to have an album? Changed. Yeah. And yeah. people and are just I, catching up, right? It's not yeah. really caught on yet, but. I've always said like the music industry either goes in a big circle because mm-hmm. trends come around again 
mm. or it's just fucking always changing. It's like it's what's the Pokemon Ditto? What? Like it's just yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I like think I, the tastes are circular. I think tastes yeah, are that's it, around. Yeah. Uh, and tastes and fashion like um, so one one minute it's this genre with this kind of fashion reflected it in society and that kind of like that kind of tumbleweeds yeah. but in terms of the actual industry model that's the kind of thing that happens over a long period of time seismic shifts I feel um, like I could like where I was kind of working in a label at the same time as being in a band that was releasing an album I could kind of see like obviously I'm I'm loving this I love albums I listen to albums over like like stuff like that but like I could kind of see that people don't fucking care about albums anymore unless they're like heavily invested in a band already right. so like a legacy band with a massive catalogue that has like they, they obviously albums are important but singles are the way forward mm-hmm. it's a, like you know this kind of scroll nature short attention spans and it's about consistency as well because mm. if you don't show up enough you're your fans or the people you're trying to get as fans, they're just going to get bored. Be like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. And a big argument to that fact is always, oh yeah, but if I find a band and they've only got one song, then, oh, I just, I forget about them and click off. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. So you've got to do like a song a month and mm-hmm. all your, and then that way as well, I feel like all your socials and all, all the stuff you talk about on stage can be like, song coming out next week, song coming out this time, blah, blah, blah. Instead of, Oh, we did an album like two years ago and now we're on tour trying to sell t-shirts yeah. because that model and that what was the model and it still is for a load of bands that I, I think that thing is done man and it's like well you know, that, like, that's, that's the thing you've just really made really clear to me right there like how you described it like because when you're on okay so first of all when you're on tour that model is still the same model. So you go out to a show, you play the show, and after the show, you sell a t-shirt and you sell your CD, you sell yeah. your, 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 your badges and your patches and all that kind of shit. And that's fine. Like That doesn't have to change whatsoever. But the release strategy and the, um, yeah, the, the, the overall sort of content strategy relief, that's the thing that changes. Like you say, a song a month now. Uh, a song a month with its own sort of, uh, campaign, little mini campaign based around yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the thing to keep people's attention going. It doesn't even have to be like a song a month. It's just consistency. It's just yeah. we are active, we are productive. We're like there are things happening with our band, and here's some new music. Here's a video. Here's this. Here's that. Not just like there was. A, it sucks because you know I love records. I love vinyl, like and and stuff like that. But. Well, that's it. You can you can you can put all of the tracks on a vinyl and press that vinyl, and the vinyl is the thing. That's yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's buy the vinyl. It's when a collectible thing. I mean, yeah, because yeah. CDs are just lull. They're dead. Anyone that wants like, to experience your band as an album can do so, and yeah, that vinyl. and that's what that's what I say to bands like like when when a band comes to me and they're like, oh, okay, yeah, we've got like six songs, uh, we've never played a show, and um, yeah, we want to do an album, and I'm like. No. <laughs> oh, hold on, hold on. Like, because what's that album going to do? They're usually like they're amazing. They're amazing, like amazing musicians. The songs are great, and I'm like, okay, it would serve you best to release these in stages mm. and build your band around these gradual releases, and your yeah, band will yeah. grow. And yeah. it's but it's like that mindset hasn't shifted. I don't think because. There's also a massive flaw to that mindset, which is um, which is anyone with it's like monkeys writing Shakespeare. Give them enough time, they'll produce it. Well, anyone can get amazing working out of their bedroom. 
yeah. and be an excellent musician from that point of view. But if you never played a show, you're going to put like months of work into a recording that sounds amazing and then have people show up so buzzed to hear it and you're like, beep, 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 beep. Oh my God, I can't <laughs> This is the thing, man. It's, it's, it's the feedback loop, right? So mm. you could put out you could like and dude this has happened to us like we've wrote songs and in the practice room we're like fuck yeah we've got the biggest cocks in the world that's the best song ever and then when you're playing it live it's <laughs> and you, do you know what I mean and you're, and you're like fucking give it the Barry like you, you and it sucks but yeah, yeah. when you when you like that's because you wrote that song two years ago mm. it's already old Mm. Then or whatever, two years in my case, I guess that's how long it took us. But you wrote that song like at least about four to six months ago, right? Then yeah. you spent all this time recording it along with 10 other songs. And now it's been released with these 10 other songs. And people can go, yeah, there's like four good songs on that record. And you're like, mm, cool. Whereas if, if, yeah. if you release it gradually, the feedback loop is shorter. You don't have to wait six months at least for your mm. fans to hear something. And I'm not saying it's like mm. some bands are like, eh, not bad fans, I've like songs for myself. Mm. Well, good luck playing in your bedroom forever. But like, it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude, like, if you put a song out and your fan base is like, yeah, that song was okay. But then you put another song out and it's like, that's fucking great. You know that you're going to write more songs like that because mm-hmm. it gets a better reception. It shows that influences you more, right? Whereas yeah. if you, yeah, that, that, it's the feedback loop. It's like putting, it's, okay, we've, we've done this, what do you think? And people can tell you instantly. Whereas mm. if you write a song as a part of an album, it takes all that time to record. And then you've got to do that, as I said, that period of waiting in between where you're waiting for a label yeah. and all of that. And then by the time it's out, A, it's old to you, and B, like, yeah. <laughs> fans are like, mm, yeah, who cares? And that you, song put all your, you put all your eggs in your basket. And yeah. it's great that that model is a bottleneck model. That's why that model doesn't happen anymore in... Um, in it's a byproduct um, of like the fucking 70s, man. Like yeah, like yeah that's how far behind... Of... That's how far behind the music industry is. But then also like rock genre, broadly speaking, is behind even the current music, uh, current yeah, pop dude, music like, side of things. Look but at that's how why well you don't see is that. doing. And it's yeah. because they have this model. Like so yeah. that whole SoundCloud thing is just, I made this song today, here you go. Yeah. And people can instantly interact with it and consume it and let the artist know how how it is. Yeah. And then, like, yeah. if, if people don't like it, they're obviously not going to write another song like that. And it's like, whereas rock is like, oh, well, we're going to spend two years writing, recording an album and go on tour for two years after that and sell £10 T-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, that's do you so know true. what I mean? You, you wonder so why bands break up, where it's like yeah. a band like, well, that's, yours, that's, like That's exactly it. That's why bands break up. But then that's also the other interesting thing is you don't see this model anymore in, in new movies and TV. Like yeah. that model is not what you see anymore. There is not a bottleneck. What, what happens now with the advent of streaming is basically if someone watches, so you invest, sure, you invest in the first season of something. And if that season goes well, you get commissioned for season two, three, four, and you only get commissioned for your next couple of seasons, provided yeah. that your stats are still like people like this. Yeah, yeah, you don't, yeah. What used to happen is you throw a ton of money, millions and millions and millions and billions and squillions of shit means money at a movie <laughs> <laughs> shit balls money at a movie and then the movie flops and then everyone's fuck, fucking lost and no one's getting paid anymore and no one's gone to see it and it's completely tanked and what a, what a massive waste of time whereas yeah. now you you get movies are slightly different but you know you get marvel legacies built on the back that people kept showing up to it 
It did. That's like, what happens with albums. You put all the bands that throwing their life savings into this album. It's just this, this one album, man. This one yeah, album. Yeah, yeah. And they think that like, because they've spent months and months working on it and they put all their heart and soul into it and their money into it, that that is going to resonate when people hear it. And then they get so deflated when someone hears it and they're like, yes. Um, I mean, like, I, I feel like it's important to say that that's not always the case. Mm. But that is a pricey case to happen if it happens. Do you know it's what I mean? Definitely it's the like, exception to the rule, isn't it? It's, uh, yeah. So, like, when we were kind of on tour, when the album came out and stuff like that, I was kind of seeing that happen, and I was like, okay, I feel like 2016 or whenever it was, I was like, that was kind of when it was becoming obvious that that model was changing, and mm. I was like, okay, when I started recording bands myself, and like. I didn't think of myself in this way, but certain bands would like kind of ask me for advice and stuff like that. Mm. And I was like, okay, I've got to be, I've got to be super honest here and like actually give them some advice that isn't going to blow all their money. I mean, mm. I'm going to be completely honest. I probably earn more out of an album than I do singles. Oh yeah. But it's, that's just down to me. I, I, I had to change. I have to now change the way oh, well, I have changed the way that I work like right. these are like new bands sometimes that I work with or like not every band does has a load of money mm. so it's like you've got to, in order for music to survive you, I feel like it, you've got to be able to kind of convey the right message to a band and you know like okay these songs are really really good like spread them out and build your band up with them and mm. I feel like when people avoid the the subject of money and and just think that oh, music is uh, art and love and because it, it is, but it's like yeah, but without money, it doesn't. You can't pay for things. You can't pay for studio. You can't pay for PR. You can't pay for all the stuff you need in order for a band to do its shit. Yeah, and um, I'm saying that you can't still make music for for free for no money and and have it be your sort of your like burning passion on the side of whatever it is you do. That's like completely amazing that and and something that people should hundred percent do if they want to. There's a lot of like this kind of attitude in certain scenes where it's um, oh they treat their band like a business and they just want to be rock stars and just want to earn loads of money and it's like well no but without money we can't do this yeah. like at least at the level that we want to do it at so yeah. I, I think it's important not to dance around the fact that uh, you know you need to <laughs> you need to look after pennies if you're in a band. Like. Yeah, hundred percent. A band's a business. Like, not to sound too sort of corporate and lame about it, but it hundred percent is a business. And anyone that doesn't think that it is or thinks that it can be different is completely naive and, and wrong. Like, I mean, you can you can just be in a band for fun and, and do yeah. that. And if you're fine with that, and that's that's what you want to do, then fucking great. I think that's awesome. Yeah. But like, if you want to make a go at it, mm. unless you're literally so good that you shit gold and. Mm everyone's coming at you we're signing you but do this that kind of happens like to people that are insanely talented and it's like a once in a blue moon kind of thing yeah but you have to work at it like a, it has to be run like a business and yeah like there's no as i said there's no there's no problem with like being in doing music for fun I, i'm in a few bands now for fun like i'm all right i've kind of done the the stuff that I want I'm not like going to be a turbo band dude anymore and go oh, let's go on tour for six months like it's yeah. just you know I like playing guitar so I play guitar with some friends in a band and it's like we're all on the same page that that is what it is do you know so do you mean? miss do you miss playing live then you must do I do but I don't miss driving up to Bumholesville the playing at the Frog and Foreskin to two people like. <laughs> Gotta be said, man. Like, I love all of it. I love the bad stuff and the good. 
no, I just missed the fucking, like we were really lucky, man. Like when, when we started, there was a massive local scene around here and they are the days that I miss most because I mean, dude, we had the time of our lives toured like some of my favorite bands ever. And I'm, I was like, that was made me the most proud thing ever with that band. Mm. But I think all of us look back on like the golden age of our band when we just started and we were playing in youth clubs mm. and like, there was like fucking like surfboards and dinghy boards and like blow up fucking dolls and all shit like that. And people stage died that, that stuff. Yeah. That is like when I, when I think like nostalgically about my youth, like I'll never forget all of that. And yeah. that's, going to be cringy because it's like half the lyrics to one of our songs but yeah <laughs> that's it that's it that's it it does it does it gets harder the older you get if you're not um seeing the kind of success that you feel you're to, you should be or that you feel like you deserve for some reason and like, i don't know like i don't know i think it's everyone's got their limit but for the most part as long as you're still happy and you're still enjoying it for the yeah. most part Everyone has off days, but you just enjoy it. And that, that was that was why I said, like, that's why we stopped, because I was like, oh, okay, we're not enjoying this. I would hate for us to be on stage and be like, for it to be obvious to our fans that we didn't want to be there. Mm, Fuck yeah. that. That, that. I was like, that is my worst nightmare. I'm not letting that happen. So that's yeah, why we... When you see it, when you see it. Yeah, dude. you know, or you know that it's the case with someone. If I play the show up, <laughs> and yeah. watched it back I'd be like what the fuck am I doing I'm in my late 20s well do you know what I mean like if yeah. you're going to do something do it well and do it properly and that was yeah. why we kind of put a stop to it because there was no like bad feeling at all we were just like okay yeah like we're we're not going to be able to run this band the way that we want to or the way that we did so mm-hmm. let's let's pump the brakes and put a stop to it and um yeah and it was there was other like kind of things like that I kind of always had a problem with, which as now that I'm older, I look back on it and I'm like, that was such bullshit. Like there was a period of our kind of life as a band where we cared, we, we desperately wanted to belong to like a hardcore scene. Mm. Like, and, and we, I feel like we wasted a lot of time trying to kind of fit in. Right. And as I said, it was just that kind of period where we go, let's do our own thing. Yeah. And then people will turn their heads. So. so making that decision to do your own thing and stick to that. That yeah, was. and you see it like every time there's like a an underdog underdog band that is coming up, and people are starting to take notice, and things are kicking off. It's because they have gone. We're going to do our own thing, and if people don't like it, then if it's not for them, then it's not for them. And we're going to do our own thing, and you know people are going to turn their heads if they, if they like it, and that that's well, I mean that's just music, really. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is encouraging um, when you get yeah the kind of resurgence and certain things and people that are the ones that shine through are the ones that aren't doing what everyone else has done and yeah it's just good it's just really good <laughs> um so just to sort of uh, close things up here i mean obviously you're 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 producing now so any bands that are interested and in, and do you like do you prefer to do a certain type of music now or, or are you still you open-minded do you like working i've just realized that like you introduced me as a producer and i haven't spoke about like a microphone or a recording desk once people don't need to hear, they don't <laughs> like, need to hear that because they want to know like what you've your journey i think and your experiences are what are going to inform your way of working now which is yeah, I'm, and I'm like, going to relate to your story more and be like fuck i've always thought like that or that's what i want from my producer so like that's i could be a better a better sales tactic I, <laughs> I feel like where i come from into making records from the artist side of things 
I feel like that's I have that extra and and I've worked at a label and I've worked at various suburbs like establishments and music. I, I feel like I've kind of sat at both sides of the desk. Mm. So I know how things I don't know everything, but like I know a little bit about how like records are marketed and how records are put into distribution and stuff like that. Yeah. But I also know what it's like to be a band in the studio and as you say, have that kind of I really want this to be the best it can be. And I know the kind of anxieties that a band goes through. And I feel like that's a very big part of my process is like, I know how it feels to be in the studio working on your art. Like, because that's what it is. It's, mm. it's, it's not like, um, oh, I've got a car. Can you fix it? It's literally, here's a piece of my soul. And can you, can you make my soul as best as it can be? Like, <laughs> dude, it's it. So yeah. It's, um, in terms of what I work with, if I can, I mean, I usually say I like just stuff with big, like big guitar music, like guitar rock. But I've I've worked in on other styles of music, but usually yeah, there has to be like some kind of guitar <laughs> and uh, drums going yeah. on. Um, but as long as I can kind of get on with it, then I'm cool. But it's weird because I, I think everyone thought that I was going to go into like producing skate punk or like hardcore. Yeah. But I actually, I, I, I love, um, there's like a, in the UK at the minute, there's like a massive kind of early noughties indie revival. Mm. And like that thing in the UK skateboarding scene back when I was trying to be a skateboarder properly, that was like massive. Like every, if you watch a skate video, a British skate video back then, the music mm. was all that. And mm. so I have, I, I really enjoy making records like that. Uh, I've just finished a single with a, with a band called Lighthouse um i do oh, quite well not taken like, <laughs> like a really good name they always get mixed up with lighthouse family because they're quite oh that's it yeah. Um, yeah. yeah and i started working with uh a young band from bristol um that i think the collective age is like heinously young like they're, they're all like below 20 or something like that super talented and it's like indie hip-hop and punk all in one and they're, they're a great band they're called the hypothetics mm-hmm. um yeah, I, I have a strong connection to that kind of indie punk stuff, the garage kind of indie punk stuff. Um, and I love like just big guitar, grunge, rock stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not really selling myself well, am I? Spoke about like being in a band in the music industry for an hour, and I'm like, ah, yeah, I'd like, I make records with guitars. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, think it's, um, I think it's a pretty good description of uh, basically if you play guitars and you have drums in your band, you could probably hit up Jack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like the drums to sound like like Albini, bigger than life, like you know where the snare seems to go on for fucking ages, and real drums, real amps, just like a big thick guitar sound so you like, still record with the real lamps <laughs> well i haven't in this the last three months because uh yeah dude i mean I, I i i am like the least nerdy techie audio guy ever if it sounds good then i'll use it like basically it's like it's ears first tech so. yeah, yeah 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 definitely like you can overdo it i feel like a lot of young engineers get hooked up on the how and not yeah Just, yeah yeah again i think that's a really good good point um and i think we should uh, we should have another episode we should have a part two yeah um, we're actually talking about making records <laughs> well kind of because i think that there's a really there's a lot to talk about from that point of view and there's also a lot to talk about remote working and kind of the future of that and how i think it can help bands um in certain 
ways. Yeah, it ties into that. It ties into that con- consistency, putting things out. Like now, more than ever, yeah. is the time for a band to be doing that. Like uh, definitely, our, our generation as well is. Um, we were we were born before the internet, just and then it yeah. sort of like plops into existence in the nineties, uh, uh, sort of late nineties, yeah. <laughs> and gets introduced into our primary schools, and then we grow up as we've watched the internet develop. And the internet is only 20 years old or something crazy, like absolute madness. And to think about- How much has it changed everything in like the last five? <laughs> yeah, so much. And I think that we can still understand the value of, even if we were young, like still understand the value of what life was like pre-internet and the benefits of having it, kind of merge the two together. Because obviously there's a lot that comes with technology and keeping up to speed with it and being good with yeah. all these updates and stuff like that. But then there's also like a hark back to times when music was on your CD player, on the back of the school bus, listening to it through a shit pair of like crappy headphones. The and bus would go over a bump and it'd go like, eh. yeah, and it would, <laughs> and it would, the song would, it would skip. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And just like all of that, but, but you fell in love with bands back then. You fell in love with them tr- truly. And they Albums, really, it's why albums. our generation likes albums because right, CDs, albums. yeah, yeah. You had to listen to them on a Walkman and then change them. Unless you got like a one of the Grebo kind of compilation CDs, like Supercharged or something that come with Kerrang! Yep. And then you could like have a bit of variety, but I've and never that been brilliant. That was yeah, so exciting. Yeah. So there, yeah, so there's probably a lot, a lot of um stuff in there to talk about too that I think young bands might might find helpful. Yeah. Um, it's like I, I've been doing a session. Sorry, I know you've got to go, man. So I've been doing a session online with a band for like the last kind of month and a half and it's it's very much like they they are like adept at like using logic or whatever recording thing again i don't care as long as it sounds good they could they've got their own audio stuff and i'm just sitting on video call like this with like a, a high quality audio streaming software so i can hear it properly but i'm just listening to them produce the record They're, it's like a co-production thing wow and that, that like i was just sitting there thinking this could not happen like a year ago or two no. years ago. No. And then it, it goes all the way down to like, even like recording technology, like me, like on Pro Tools, when someone's like, I don't like the way I've said that word. Can you change it? And I go, yeah. And then I, I have to think like 20 years ago or, or like 30 years ago on tape, that would have taken two hours. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. and it, I guess it's just and the same. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> But that was when it's like that's like music. so that's like remote consulting, kind of yeah. But yeah, it's remote, like yeah, it, it's weird. It's like I haven't got spacebar in front of me. I haven't got free in front of me. It's like I'll be like mm, okay, uh, yeah, one more for luck, and then they have to do all the controls. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it's it's, it's I'm, I've got to admit, it's, I'm still prefer being in the studio, and mm. I can't see myself enjoying making records like that going forward. But sure. I, that's not up to me. That's up to the old. Rona, but um, and that, yeah. that'll, be, that'll be something that's needs must. Yeah, know, yeah. I've just, I've just been grateful to be able to do it, and I have technology to thank for that, and the internet to thank for that. So awesome, dude! Right, well, let's uh, let's put a let's put a pin in it and come back to this in part two uh, in the near future, man. Thank you for your time and for being on the show. Happy birthday, mate! Thank you very much. Have a good one. Thank you for Cheers, watching, dude. everybody. I'm going to put all the uh, all the contact details for Jack, uh, where you can hit him up uh, for whatever you need, uh, all in the description box below. And um, thanks for being on the show, dude. Uh, thank you for watching, everyone. See you on the next episode of A Coffee or Beer. Ta-ta!